Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Sometimes we get discouraged because we think, well, you know, I went and I shared my faith with my neighbor or I shared with somebody at work and basically they haven't responded. They haven't come to the Lord. And so you feel like a failure maybe and you feel like, well, you know, this is kind of a waste of time. Nothing's happening. But know this, there's a process. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Acts, chapter 2, verses 22 through 41, in a message titled, Pentecost, The Harvest Begins. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Joel Rosenberg was telling us a story, it's really kind of a humorous story, where Joel immigrated to Israel, became an Israeli citizen. And so, you know, being an American, they wanted to celebrate Christmas. But they noticed that not only did the Jewish population in general not really think about Christmas, but even the Messianic Jews didn't think much about Christmas. It's kind of more of a tradition that developed in the church. But they really, you know, they have four sons. Their kids are like, hey, when are we getting the Christmas tree? You know, and you know what's going on here? And, and so Joel was feeling like, gee, I don't know. I don't want to be offending my neighbors. He lives in a Jewish community. So anyway, he went to his friend Eris, who's a believer, and said, hey, this is what I'm thinking. You know, should we celebrate Christmas? Shouldn't we? What do you think? And uh, after they talked about it, they came up with the idea, well, let's have a Christmas party. And we can just invite local people over. And, but Eris told him, he said, you know, believe it or not, at this time right now, it's never been like this before, as far as he could remember in the land. But right now, people are kind of interested in stuff like that. There, there's a you know, wider exposure to different cultures and things that go on. So Jewish people are sort of like, well, what is this Christmas thing? So they decided to have a Christmas party. And when the invitations began to go out, they realized that, wow, a lot of people wanted to come. So they ended up having to have two Christmas parties instead of just one. But he was telling us that during the Christmas party, part of, you know, they played games and they did all the traditional stuff and introduced them to all the different cultural things that happened with the Christmas party. But what they decided to do, because they obviously wanted to interject Jesus into the story, they decided that they would read from the prophets, the, those Old Testament prophecies that spoke about what we call Christmas, the birth of Christ. So at a certain point, they read Isaiah 9-6. Somebody opened up the, the Hebrew scriptures and read Isaiah 9-6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder. So they read that. A little bit later on in the evening, they had another scripture reading. They read uh, Micah chapter 5. But you, Bethlehem, though you're little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth the one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose going forth is from eternity. They read that. And then later on in the evening, they read from Matthew, where Matthew quotes both Isaiah and Micah. And so during the evening, this one man, as he's hearing this, this prophecy about Bethlehem, he says, oh, wait, 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 what, what, are you, what, are you, what are you saying here? Are you, are you saying that that, 
that reference to Bethlehem, you're not saying that that's in the Hebrew Bible. Surely that's not in the Hebrew Bible. They said, no, no, it, it really is in the Hebrew Bible. He says, oh, no, I've never heard that before. I went to school. We learned the Hebrew Bible. We never heard anything like that. So they said, well, look, here's the Hebrew Bible. Here's Micah. Here's chapter five. Here's what it says. He reads it. But you, Bethlehem, the, you know, the, the one's going to come out of you. He's like, what? The, the, is, this, is this saying the Messiah is going to come from Bethlehem? Well, it seems like it's saying that, yes. He says, well, how come nobody ever told me this? And they'd say, well, I don't know. He says, and then he says this. He goes, do, do the rabbis know this? <laughs> they might, but they don't want you to know it. And then he said, finally, he said to Joel, he looks at me, he goes, you need to go to the secretary of education. I went to school here. They taught me the Bible. They never told me this. You need to go tell them that they need to tell every student that the Messiah is going to come from Bethlehem. Joel said, well, I, I don't think that's my calling, but you know, we'll pray that that happens. But point being that it was that prophecy that really spoke to him. And he realized, of course, he's not dumb. He knows that Christians believe that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He, he knows that much. But now he's reading Micah, their prophet. He's saying that that's where the Messiah is going to come from. So he's got a lot to think about, right? And see, that's what happens with prophecy. And so for us, as we are commissioned as reapers in this harvest to go forth, we are called to preach Jesus, to keep the main thing, the main thing. Let's tell people about why Jesus is unique. Let's talk to people about his unique death and what that means to us. Let's know about the fact of his resurrection, that the scriptures foretold it, that the eyewitnesses testified concerning it, that millions of lives from then till now have been radically transformed because they put their faith and trust in a resurrected Messiah. And let's be able to refer back to those prophetic scriptures. You see, these are all of the ways that we can communicate the message. Now, Peter, as we go on here at the end in verse 36, as he's kind of bringing the message home to them finally, I want you to see this. And it's the certainty of the message. He says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And this is what I want us to see here. Peter is on the offensive. He's not on the defensive. And I say that because, you know, today, it seems like so often as Christians, we are on the defensive. There's, there's a lot coming against the truth of the scriptures today, isn't there? there? There's all different kinds of, you know, there's, of course, there's the atheism and there's the, that loud voice screaming, the God delusion and all of that kind of stuff. And then there's, there's the Islamic voice that is, is also shouting. And there's then, you know, this group that wants to reinterpret, you know, life itself and the, the meaning of life and so forth. And they're pushing back. And, and, and a lot of times, I think we find ourselves sort of backpedaling and we're, we're being on the defensive. The truth is, we need to be on the offensive. Now, that doesn't mean we should go out and try to offend people, but it means we're, we're no, we're going to take 
the message to them. And we're going to have, what Peter has here is he has absolute confidence in the truth of his message. He says, let, let all of the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, both Lord and Christ. In other words, Peter is just absolutely confident that this is the truth. And we ought to have that kind of confidence because it is the truth. And if we don't have that confidence, we need to bolster ourselves up in our faith. But you know, I was thinking about this statement that Paul made in his first letter to the Corinthians. That's very, the, the idea is kind of similar to this, where in 1 Corinthians chapter one, Paul is talking about Christ crucified. And this is what he says. He says, to the Jews, it's a stumbling block. To the Greeks, it's foolishness. But to those who are called and those who are being saved, it is the power of God to salvation. And, and it's almost like, again, it's like Paul is taking the offensive here. He recognizes, yes, to some people, it's, it's a stumbling block to the Jews. And then to some other people, it's foolishness. But then there's a whole other group out there. There's a whole world of people out there that are called to whom it is the power of God. Now, I am personally into apologetics, giving a defense for the faith. I don't mind arguing with uh, the people that, you know, it's a stumbling block for them. I don't mind arguing with the people that it's foolishness. But you know what I find sometimes? You can waste all your time and energy arguing with people that really, they don't, they want it to be a stumbling block. They want it to be foolish. They don't want to be confused by the facts. They just have made up their mind already. And, you know, that can just be such a colossal waste of time when there's a whole nother group of people out here that just need to hear the message. And so as much as we want to engage with people and give a defense for the faith, and I'm all for that, but we need to be wise enough to recognize that, you know, sometimes we're talking to people, we might as well be talking to a brick wall. And, and we should turn away from that brick wall and go talk to that person over there that actually has an ear to hear. You know, it's interesting when, uh, like, for example, people that I know who are ministering, say, over in places like Europe, what they often find is that the people, the European people, are oftentimes very disinterested in their message and very argumentative and hardened, but then they find that the immigrant people that live right among them are the ones that are very open. But then they think, well, you know, I'm, I'm here in this nation. Let, I'll just use France as an example. It's not because I'm thinking of anything specifically about France, but you know, the idea is, well, you know, I'm here to reach French people. I'm not here to reach these other immigrant people. Well, do you think God really says, no, 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 we don't talk to them. They're not French. Let's just keep with the French here. No, God wants us to share the gospel with everybody. And guess what? Sharing the gospel with the people that are open is really a much more enjoyable endeavor than sharing the gospel with people that aren't open. And I even had this experience when I lived in London because many of the, the local English were, you know, hey, we're a Christian nation already. Don't tell us, you know, you're an American. We had Christianity way before you did. Uh, we don't need you to be here and we don't care about your message. But then the Pakistani or the African person, they were like, I've never heard this before. Can, can you tell me more? So we want to 
get the word out to the called. So again, I'm not saying we don't contend for the faith with those who Christ is a stumbling block to or foolishness to, but we just recognize that there's a point where there's a lot of other people out there. So you might have been thinking about certain people that you want to reach out to, but you find that they're not really open, but there's other people that are open. Reach out to them. Speak to them. Share with them. Now, as I'm saying, and as I want to kind of conclude here, Pentecost signaled the beginning of the harvest. And so the age that we're living in is the age of harvest. And what began on that day and resulted in 3,000 people responding, and then a little while later, as we go a little bit further in the story, we find that there were 5,000, so more were being added. This is the mark of the age. It's, It's an age of harvest. And we need to be careful that we don't fall into the place of thinking that, well, the harvest will come later. You know, it's not right. The time isn't ready. You know, that, that's up to the Lord. Jesus said the fields are white for harvest. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. The problem is not with the harvest. The problem is with the laborers. But do we understand as God's people that we're living in the age of the harvest and guess what? We are the reapers. We are the reapers. So if we expect to see a harvest, we must also expect that God is going to use us as the reapers. You know, in John chapter four, where Jesus says the fields are, are white, you know, he says, do, you, do not say there are four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say, look up, lift up your heads. Right now, the fields are white for harvest. And then he says to them there, he says, I'm, I'm sending you to reap what you have not sown. Others have labored and you enter into their labors. Now, when we th- I want us to think about ourselves here for a minute as reapers. So reapers are the ones who come at the time when the harvest is ripened and it's ready to be reaped. But let's also remember that there's a process that takes place. And so in this process, we can find ourselves at different places in the process at times. And and I'm saying this because sometimes we get discouraged because we think, well, you know, I went and I shared my faith with my neighbor or I shared with somebody at work and basically they haven't responded. They haven't come to the Lord. And so you feel like a failure maybe and you feel like, well, you know, this is kind of a waste of time. Nothing's happening. But know this, there's a process There's the process of, well, first of all, there's the tilling of the ground. The ground has to be prepared. The Holy Spirit is largely responsible for that, but sometimes the Holy Spirit uses us to start, you know, maybe turning up the soil a bit. But then there's the planting of the seed. And then after the planting of the seed, of course, there's the watering of the seed. And then eventually there comes the harvesting. When we used to do street outreach when I lived in London and I would take a team out every Sunday after church, um, I noticed, you know, there was a point where people were getting discouraged because we were out there doing this, you know, 
sharing the gospel, doing one-on-one conversations and preaching, and yet not a whole lot of people were giving their lives to the Lord. And the people were getting discouraged. And I remember sitting down with our group one day and saying, listen, don't worry about that. Maybe we're not out here to put the sickle to the, the stock and to harvest it. Maybe we're out here watering it. Maybe in some cases we're out here planting it. Maybe in some cases we're just tilling up the ground. But just know this, there's a process and the Holy Spirit is the one who will, you know, he will determine if we're tilling the ground, planting the seed, watering the seed, or putting the sickle to the harvest. That's, that's, the, that's the Lord's work. We just are there as workers in that field. So I think a good way to look at it is to think, you know, as I walk out the door each and every day, I'm going out to the harvest field. And Lord, maybe today I'm going to stir up some soil. Maybe I'm going to throw out a seed. Maybe I'm going to water some seed. Maybe I'll even get to reap. But going out with that consciousness. In the conversation with uh, one of the pastors, he said to us, and he was a Jewish guy, he said this, and it was very powerful. And both the Jews and the Arab guys, they talked about the tremendous opposition that they face. You know, as we read through the book of Acts and we see this kind of opposition that came against the, the apostles and the gospel going out, you know, they live with that every day. They have a government that's against them. They have established religion that's against them. They have the secular society that's against them. And, but, but what one of them said, he put it like this. He said, he said, this is what we live for. We live, we get up every day with the hope that today we will be able to see someone from among our people, he's speaking as a Jew, someone from among our people put their faith in Yeshua as the Messiah. That's what we live for. And, you know, as he said that, I'm thinking, man, is that what we're living for? Are we living for, Lord, just use me to bring somebody close to you? Lord, if it's bringing them closer by planting a seed, if it's bringing them closer by watering the seed, if it's bringing them closer by actually just saying a prayer with them to receive you, Lord, whatever the case, are we living with that kind of urgency? That's the urgency we live with. You know, we talk about revival. We pray for revival. We envision a time when all kinds of people will come to know the Lord. But guess what? If we never open our mouths and we never share the gospel, it's highly unlikely that that time's going to come. Because it doesn't just happen through some mystical type of a thing. There's all kinds of interesting myths that have developed around Calvary Chapel over the years. And one of the myths that is, is fairly common, and it's even common among some Calvary Chapel pastors these days, is the myth that this great move of the Spirit of God all happened because one day a guy named Pastor Chuck Smith, he opened the Bible and he began to teach verse by verse through the Bible, and then suddenly thousands of young people came out to hear the Bible taught. That's a myth. That's not how it happened. What happened is God poured out his spirit and 
people started sharing the gospel with each other. People got saved and they were so excited about what God had done for them. They went and told their friends and then Pastor Chuck was teaching the Bible. And so they brought their friends and they started getting grounded in their faith as they heard the Bible taught, but they kept going out and getting and bringing in more people. You know, it's interesting as time has gone on and back in those days, you know, back in the days of the early music and all of the stuff that some of you knew participated in. Some of you have heard about it. It's very interesting. When you look back in those days, most of the music that was being produced back in those days was really sort of, it was gospel music in the truest sense. It was a message. It was a music with a message. It was essentially communicating to that generation what Christ had done in the lives of these musicians. And they were using that as a as a means of reaching out and, and calling others to come to Christ. So the music was largely evangelistic. It was largely gospel preaching through music. You know, it's interesting because today in the church, so much of the music focuses on worship. Now, obviously, worship is good, right? And we are called to worship God, and we're thankful for that. But we're also, you know, that, that's hap- what happens kind of when we're together. But there's also obviously the place for music or, or whatever other means God would use for the message to be going out. Because unless the message is preached, people aren't going to get saved. I mean, there's always an exception to the rule. There's some person here you meet that, well, nobody ever preached to them or anything. They just, the Lord kind of appeared to them and they knew and they got saved. Great, that is an amazing story. But you know, most stories aren't like that one. Most stories are, well, you know, I was at work and I had this guy working next to me and I just noticed, you know, there's something about his life that was different or something about her life that was different. And I began to talk to him and they told me they were Christian. I thought, wow, that's interesting. And then they shared with me and, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. So Peter, today on Pentecost, as he's there, they say, what's going on? He doesn't just say, well, you know, this is what Joel told us about. This is the outpouring of the Spirit. Isn't it great? Man, the Spirit's being poured out. Look at these people. They're speaking in languages that they don't know. And wow, there's the sound of a wind. Man, awesome. Okay, well, we'll see you later. <laughs> He said, men of Israel, let me tell you that Jesus of Nazareth. So the point is, again, it's just, we got to open our mouths. We got to talk. We got to speak up. You might say, oh gosh, I'm so afraid to do that. You know, almost everybody's afraid to do it, believe it or not. Almost everybody. Now I say almost because there's some people that just, that's just their personality. They're not afraid to say anything to anybody, anytime, under any circumstances. (laughs) And sometimes those are the ones that are, you're like, hey, could you kind of tone it down a little bit? You're kind of scaring everybody away. <laughs> now, but God uses all kinds of people and all kinds of things. But we have to speak up because we are the ones who are co-laboring with the Lord in this great harvest field. So let's just study Jesus who he is, what he did, what he accomplished on the cross, that he did indeed rise again from the dead. And let's just open our mouths, pray for the opportunity, 
and then open our mouths and trust that God's going to take that truth and he's going to plant it in the hearts and minds of people. And that is how ultimately the harvest will come. For the month of March, Back to Basics Radio is offering a timely resource titled One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. Has a skeptic in your life ever stumped you with questions regarding God, social ethics, or supposed contradictions in the Bible? Well, with this book, One Minute Answers to Skeptics, concise responses to the top 50 objections and questions by Charlie Campbell, you can be equipped to address the questions of skeptics on those exact topics and many others. If you want to be equipped to always be ready to give a defense of the faith, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together the Songs of the Saints. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.